Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my co-host, Kate Roberts. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Wynne. Hi. We had some ideas today <laughs> to talk about. It is literally that novel that we would have, that noteworthy that we would have some ideas. And I really was intrigued and tickled by your idea. So tell us. <laughs> What was it? Okay, well, so hopefully our listeners will give me a little bit of space on this just to kind of talk around it, maybe. And in their absence, let's see if I can do it. (laughs) Okay, and then you'll allow me. Um, So there's something that I kind of feel a little bit bouncing around essentially in my just very personal mind, my intellect. And it's the idea of of concepts that we have that feel and I believe are true. Um, Let's say, for example, The example that I used when you and I were talking about it before we started recording was that we're only ever feeling our thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's true for me. It feels very true for me. You could take another one. Um, The concept that we are spiritual beings having a human experience that feels very true to me Mm -hmm. and in this conversation or profession or like I just love writing about these concepts for myself or thinking about them even just in a quiet space or sharing them with other people reading about other people's versions of those concepts and the words that they put to them. And while these ideas, these beliefs or concepts, they feel really true, there's a space beyond concepts and intellect and words that feels truer, more real, more in reality of how things work. And you and I have talked to other people and so much a part of this conversation has to do with putting words to these things Mm -hmm. and playing with them and exploring them with, you know, each other and with other guests and, There's something truer, which is beyond all concept and words. Yeah. Space, right? And 
That space is very interesting to me. And I feel like it maybe is the point of the whole freaking thing. At least the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, I'm all over the show. But that's the those are the words that come to mind to try to describe something you can't describe. I had a a strange example that came to mind. Okay. Anyone who knows me wouldn't be that surprised that I'm about to talk about dogs. Because <laughs> I have a huge affinity for dogs. And the one thing I had a, a, a dog for my 10th birthday, because I'd been nagging my parents to let me have a dog for years and years and years. And they realized that maybe now at 10, at the grand old age of 10, he's mature enough to take care of um, a dog, which of course I wasn't, but you know, I really wanted a dog. And so this was 1980. So his name was Scooby because Scooby-Doo was a very popular cartoon about a dog back then. <laughs> and um, bless him, he was such a lovely, lovely dog and lived into a very ripe old age. But the one thing I remember about him was I'd point at things for him to look. And he wouldn't look to where I was pointing. He'd look at my finger. And he would just stare at my finger. And he'd sometimes, as a puppy, you'd go up and, like, just lick my finger or, you know, bitely, you know, give it a little, a very gentle chew. Because he thought that the finger was the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Scooby, I'm pointing at what you meant to be looking at. There's your toy, or there's something, or there's a biscuit. But no, he kept thinking of the, he kept looking at the finger. And the next uh, few dogs did the same thing, right? After I'd moved away from my parents and um, the next two dogs, Lloyd and Zach, they did the same thing. I'd notice that I'd be pointing things for them to look at they'd only see my finger mum's current dog right three-year-old mott which is a very interesting name for a dog i know he gets it i've never known an animal and i've known loads of um other dogs friends dogs other relatives dogs as well and i point at things and all they do is look at my finger this dog mott he gets it. So when I'm pointing at something, he will look to where I'm pointing. Now, this I did say was a slightly weird off the wall example, right? To me, it's very easy for us to just look at the finger, to look at the concept, to look at the metaphor, to look at the words, as opposed to where they're pointing. And we all, to your, to what you just said, which I really loved, the best we got is words. And then there's the sense of the feeling that we get underneath the words. The sense of the feeling of something true. And on my desk here is my um, friend and mentor, George Pransky's latest book called Life is a Metaphor. I was using this with a client late last week. Metaphor stories and musings speak to the heart, not to the brain. Listen with your heart. That is where 
we all find inner truth. And then below it's a quote from Sidney Banks, you must find it for yourself. And these are a wonderful series of metaphors, but it's where the metaphors point, not the metaphor. Listen with your heart, that's where we all find inner truth. And I know for me, I've become very enamored with an insight that I've had or a metaphor that I'd thought or a concept that I've had and just go on and on and on about that without and forgetting that, no, it's where they're pointing that matters. Or another way of saying it would be metaphor and words, they're still noise, but the pointing at what's underneath the noise. And when a few years ago you messaged me to talk about podcast and in your message was that wonderful three words under the noise, I went, okay, I'm in. I want to talk about what's under the noise. And as you said a few minutes ago, before my dog and pointy finger stories, the space, that's the truth. And the feeling of truth, the feeling of space. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So you've listened very attentively to me and my ramblings for a bit. I'd love to know what your thoughts on what's percolating in your mind now. I still find myself a lot of the time stuck in the concepts, in my intellect, in the feeling of that there's something to know, like there's somewhere to go and get and seek and understand better and see. So I, this is a weird, weird metaphor, but I've been, I was watching a show and in the show, there's this chick and she's dreaming and she can't always find her way out of the dream and she doesn't like the dream. It's really scary. And she wants to figure out how to um, get herself out of these bad dreams she's having. Right. So before she goes to sleep, she puts a poster on the ceiling above her head. And I can't even remember what it says, but it's to the extent where it's like, if you can read this, you're not dreaming, right? And she puts it on the ceiling because when we're dreaming, the part of our brain that can read and understand written language is, doesn't function. I don't know. (laughs) This could actually be wrong, but this was in the show. (laughs) So I keep thinking about that and wondering if maybe those feelings, whether they're stress or even the desire to seek something different, that pressure to know something more than where you know you are at the moment, or to see something or to understand it, or negative emotion, like all of that is like our poster on the ceiling. 
letting us know that we're in our thoughts, that we're in our conceptual mind, that we're stuck in the intellect, that we're not in that deeper space. They're just pointing us home, letting us know we're not there. Mm. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. I'm not calling them out as being wrong. They're just pointing us back home to that deeper space, letting us know we're not, we're not there. We're, we're in, our, in a, our intellect. We're in the concept. We're in our dream of life rather than the reality of it. We're not present totally. Mm. Now, if I was going to get stuck in the the story of what you just shared, I'd be asking what the TV show was, right? I would be getting <laughs> the talk about the TV show. That would be an example of being stuck in the concept. Yeah. Or what if you wrote something else on the ceiling, right? As opposed to effectively the moral of the story or the point of what you just shared was that there's a deeper space that is home. And sometimes we're in dreamland that about feelings and states of mind that we don't particularly like. What I also have a growing appreciation of, I have a growing appreciation of my dreams. Sometimes appear in nightmares. It's such an imaginative place to be in that free thinking, okay, intellectual place where things can look really scary and I can get insecure and I play small and all those kind of things. And yet that's also life. That's also what it is to be alive. And I think there's a lot that I can miss if all I want to do is be having peace of mind a hundred percent of the time. Mm. Now, the part of me that says when I'm going to call my BS on that, right? <laughs> and yet, as I'm talking with you right now and you listening to me right now, yeah, you listening to me right now, I can absolutely say that it's all, all of this, the experience of being alive is a gift. And yet there are times it doesn't look like it is. And there are times I will not want the emotion. I will not want the feeling. I will not want the state of mind I might be in. And I know the harder I try and get out of that, the deeper I'm in it. I also want to say I'm glad it's you that used the word chick, not me. Did I, did I say that? There was this chick in the show when I went. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't get away with saying that. <laughs> Is that bad? Is that a bad thing? Not for you to say. No, absolutely. Oh, I'm sure I say it all the time. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, there's something else that just came to mind as well. Once a month, I have a gathering of fellow coaches, as you know. And we muse over whatever they bring up or whatever um, I might have on my mind. And we'd spend an hour and a half as coaches just having, spending time together, 
And sometimes we get philosophical. Sometimes we just get very funny. And sometimes we just, I don't know, navel gaze. And there was a part of um, last week's conversation where one of the coaches goes, oh, I've got a brilliant metaphor for this. <laughs> and I can't remember what the metaphor was or what the point of it was, but it was stale. It was stale. And I've not had a conversation yet with the coach about it, but here's what I know. That person's using that metaphor because they're in love with the metaphor as mm. opposed to where it's pointing. And there was a sense of staleness about it, a sense of yesterday's good ideas or five months ago, good idea, as opposed to the fresh, let's look anew right now. There wasn't newness and aliveness in it. That's not to say always dismiss yesterday's good ideas and metaphors, but constantly retreading them, putting them out there, putting them out there, putting them out there. Very limited. Mm. And to me, having the sense of what it, the aliveness of, a, of something fresh is again something else that feels home, feels real, has energy to it that is inherently attractive and magnetic to me. When mm. I've got the sense of newness, there's something there that I really am drawn to. And going back to what, how you started off today in musing concepts, what might come up is something totally fresh and new and deeper in the musing of them, in the pondering. Your story makes me think. Actually, it just, it kind of brings up some questions that I have a feeling have been kind of percolating for me. This, this life experience, and I'm going way far out there, by the way. So this life experience, and I know you and I have both heard probably people that have written throughout time talk about life as a dream, right? Mm. Maybe we're doing this forever, throughout eternity coming in and having these life experiences and then forgetting forgetting them coming back like if we get this time however many days we have left in at least in this experience to fall in love with every experience including when we limit ourselves like the limited metaphor yeah. falling in love with our limitations and that's in quotes for people who can't see yeah like if we fell in love with it knowing that it's a dream but we don't we don't limit our ability to fall in love with the dream like we fall into it as if it's absolutely real bad good feel everything 
not like keep it off to the side and kind of like, oh yeah, that's, that's really interesting, but it, you don't feel it deeply, right? You don't allow it to be felt completely. But what if we can let it all in? Every piece of it, knowing we can't break. I spent a lot of time deciding like which experiences I like and which ones I don't and trying to avoid the ones I don't like and experience more of the ones that I do. And that feels limited. That feels like the limited metaphor. Mm. Like, is it possible to know that, like, no, it's a dream and fall in love with every experience that comes with it, even the bad ones? Like, feel it all and experience it all and fall in love with it all, fall into it all completely being willing to, knowing we'll never really be lost or broken. You know, I know that like some people really get that it's a dream and then some people use that as a way not to feel. Yeah. Yeah. But can we feel it all and know all that at the same time? Like, is that even... Is that possible? Not be afraid of any experience? What a great question. <laughs> That's what I do win. I don't have any answers. <laughs> I'm really good at creating questions, probably. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, maybe I'll come back to that one. Because that's a, it's an amazing question to, to ponder. The bit that in this whole dream state stuff that <laughs> I find interesting, one of the ways that I'm a little bit weird is that when I wake up in the morning or in the night from a nightmare, I'm always thrilled by the fact I've had a nightmare. So, whoa, what a dream, right? Even if it is, and there are a few times where I've been, uh, some horrible things are about to happen, and in that moment I wake up, or some pretty intense stuff's happening. Nightmares. But every time I wake up for them, I'm exhilarated. I'd rather be more exhilarated by the dreams I have when I'm awake, too go back to your question yeah how come <laughs> dreams you know thought created reality when my eyes are closed i love mm. thought created realities that are nightmarish when i'm awake hell no right goes back to what you're saying about is it possible for us to love all the experiences all of the emotions all the feelings i don't know the answer to that what a life, if I could. I find that interesting anyway. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I've, I can't remember the last time I said to myself while awake, wow, isn't this so cool how scared I am? Now, I remember two occasions where, well, probably quite a few different occasions where that's happened. A few of them would be a, a roller coaster in a theme park, and when I did a skydive. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did the skydive was I wanted to know what it would be like to be petrified because I hadn't been scared for a while. <laughs> oh, that'll really scare me. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it really did. And it was awesome. So it's funny that even when I'm awake, there are parts of my life, such as theme park roller coasters and skydive, where, oh, this is so scary and so cool because it's so scary. And then there are other things in my life where I will cower. Me too. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) The hell is that about? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it looks realer. Yeah. Or something at stake. But let's face it, if I'm jumping out of a plane at 12,000 feet, yeah, my entire body's at stake. (laughs) It's like the end game. And somehow that's easier. Yeah. I mean, at least the end game to this, you know, this experience. I don't know when. But it does talk to how powerful our stories are. Mm -hmm. Maybe how powerful they're meant to be. Yeah. So real. You know, I'd love to hear you listening to this podcast, to this recording, an invitation for you to email Kate and or myself with what you're seeing about this. We could revisit this at some point with our observations of ourselves and the, the parts of our experience that we love and don't love and how weird it is how we've arbitrarily chosen the ones that we don't love given some of the things that we do because i'm pretty sure it's not just me and it's not just you kate that can relate to what we've been talking about yeah i would love to hear i would love to hear that and of course we'd read out any ones that make us ponder and uh, maybe make us laugh. We'll read them out anonymously. Um, So you do not have to worry about them being shared with your name. And for a few of you who've actually written in over the last couple of years, you know that's how we do it. You know that's uh, all anonymous. Thanks, man. Thank you. (laughs) You've been listening to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with Wynn Morgan. If you have questions, comments, would absolutely love to hear from you, including any thoughts about falling in love with our own concepts and knowing that there's a deeper space. That's cool. So yeah, reach out to us. Our details follow the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. 
we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.